This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey haunties, it's Nat here. Every Friday in the month of October, Let's Get Haunted is opening up the LGH archives to bring you spooky tales told by the haunties who experienced them. Over the past five seasons of LGH, Nat and Allie have been like little goblins collecting every haunted story we found and squirreling them away in our cabinet of curiosities. This spooky season, we have decided to take a peek inside that dusty archive of haunted stories for a mini-series that features no filler, just creepy, unexplained happenings that will surely give you goosebumps. But you won't have to brave it alone. I'm here with my spooky steed to help navigate this treasure trove of tiltillating tales. We hope you all love this special mini-series and also hope you all tune in each Friday this month to hear more. So haunties, what do you think? Let's get haunted. Ooh, boy, slow down. It's just some wind. I hope. Our first story comes to us from the Deep South, where a college girl had some unexplained experiences that are still creeping around. So, Kelsey, what's haunting you? So I went to the University of the South at Suwannee, it's in Suwannee, Tennessee, which is not even a town, actually. It's classified as a village. I mean, it's a street with a gas station and a post office and like a restaurant or two, and that's pretty much it. That's Suwannee. Very, very tiny place and very, very deep Confederate roots. The school was founded in 1857, and it was founded by kind of the Southern elite and primarily military officials and Episcopalian bishops. It's an Episcopalian school. If you don't know what Episcopalianism is, like I didn't before literally my first day at this school, it's a flavor of Christianity that is dogmatic in the sense that they do a lot of the stuff that I think Catholic people do where they have the beautiful, like, you know, ornate churches and the stained glass and, you know, someone has incense at all times and there's lots of singing and formal reading. And I grew up Protestant, so I'm used to like banjo, shoes optional, you know, we're singing like very informally, all that fun stuff. So 
that's what this school was like. It was founded by people like that. And the haunted aspect of that is it was founded to protect Southern ideals during the, the Civil War, that they were Confederate. This is the Confederacy we're talking about. So they founded the school to educate their own people with their own ideology. There's a quote that is attributed to one of the founders whose name I forget, where he basically says, we are trying to protect and insulate ourselves from Northern school of thought because they're trying to take over. They're trying to brainwash our people. We want to have our own society, basically. It's kind of supposed to be a bastion of Southern education. So that's the principle behind the school being founded. Unfortunately, it's really regressive, kind of a regressive choice retrospectively. But nowadays, they're doing a really good job of kind of recognizing the history and coming to terms with it. And a lot of the kids that I was friends with back in college, I've been out for about four years now. They're doing really good research projects on what did this look like? How do we move past this going forward? They're really contributing to that. And it's pretty cool to see. But yeah, so that's that's Swanee. That's the boring history part. Now I will talk about the haunted part that I experienced. So... My freshman year dorm was on a street that was right across from a graveyard. This graveyard is really central to campus and there's a lot of like lore that centers around the graveyard. The graveyard itself is as old as the school, so we're talking almost 200 years. A lot of really interesting people buried there. There's a lot of families that have been in Swanee for generations and generations and they're all there. But yeah, so my dorm's right across and every day I would wake up and look across the street and see the graveyard. One night I was in the library until about 3 a.m. This is probably my first month of being on campus. I'm walking home, pretty dark, street's not super well lit. It's a narrower street and it's directly next to the graveyard is where I'm walking. Like there's maybe a waist high stone fence that separates me from this graveyard. I can see into it pretty well. And my dorm is down the street directly in front of me. So I'm walking and as I'm walking, I hear footsteps. I think, oh, it's a small school, maybe 1,100 kids. And I you know, made friends by this point and faces become familiar quickly. So I was like, I probably know this person. I wasn't really spooked or anything. I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe they'll catch up to me. Maybe they know me, maybe they don't. I'm tired, I'm gonna keep it moving. I keep walking. And then I notice that the pace is kind of picking up with this person behind me. They're trying to catch up to me is what it sounds like. You know, you can kind of tell like, you know, oh, my friend is probably behind me. So they're quickening their pace and I can see their shadow. So they're backlit such that their shadow is being cast kind of outward from them and, you know, in front of them. So I can see it behind me in my peripheral vision. I looked back and seen the silhouette and I thought, okay, that's probably a guy. Like it looks bigger. So I'm like, okay, they're catching up. They definitely know me. I'll stop at the corner here. I was about to get to the end of the street where I would have to cross over to go to my dorm. And I stop. And as I stop, I can hear their footsteps and I can see the shadow gaining in on me. It's getting closer to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna turn around. I was fooling with my backpack or something. And I go to turn around. And at this point, this person should be like close enough to me that I can reach out and touch them, you know, fully extend my hand. And I turn around and there's nobody there. No one, um, there's no one there. I didn't react to it immediately because I was like, okay, where the fuck did this person go? And I assessed the situation. I thought, okay, there's two options. They could sprint across this street that I have a full unobstructed view of. You know, they could sprint across and I guess hide behind like one of the sorority row houses that are right over there. But I would hear them and I would see them run because it's dead quiet. I can hear everything. They did not run. The other option is they could have just vaulted over the fence, the stone fence that's about waist high for me. And I'm like five, seven, so not that high. But I would hear them because their body would hit the ground. And I can't really stress how quiet it was. I was like, I would hear them leave. Like I would hear them do something. I assessed that. I was like, okay, there's nowhere they could have gone. So I booked it. I just started running as fast as I could to my dorm, scared as hell. Like I woke my roommate up. I barged into my room. I was like, Sue, like Sue, wake up right now. Oh my God. I just saw a ghost. Like I was about to start crying. Actually, I think I did cry. I mean, this, this thing was so close to me. That was, that was the scary part is like the proximity that I was into, you know, whatever that was. 
close enough that I could, you know, I could put my hand out and touch this person. I should have been able to, you know, turn around and put my hand on the shoulder and say, what's up, dude? You know, that's kind of what my plan was. It was right there. You know, I just, I just fully thought like, this is a friend. I, I never felt anything weird from that at all. I was totally at ease until I realized what had just happened. Something else that actually happened on campus while I was there was an exorcism in the dorm right next to mine, like right next to me. So I was out with one of my really good friends who lived in this building that the dorm was in. You know, we were going to go to his room. It was on the second floor. We were going to run up there, grab something, and then head back out. And we walk in, and all of the RAs are on the first floor, and there's like four police officers there. They tell us we can't go upstairs. And obviously we ask, you know, why, well, why can't we go upstairs? What's wrong? You know, what, what the hell's going on? And one of the RAs pulls both of us aside and she just kind of says like, you just need to leave. There's a problem here. I was like, no, no, you need to tell us what the fuck is going on. Like, this is not acceptable. I need to get this thing. I can't remember what it was now, so it must not have been that important. But I was like, no, we need to get this thing. So she goes like, there is an exorcism happening. Someone is in danger. You need to leave now. So we left and never found out that day what happened, but we got the story later. Two girls shared a dorm together. One of the girls had gone to the graveyard. I think she was in the same orientation program that I was in, and we had to do all kinds of weird shit for that orientation program. And one of them, I think, was to like take a picture of something that you find on campus or in the wild that gives you a sense of place. The goal of the course was like finding your sense of place at Swanee and orienting yourself. So I guess she went to the graveyard and she had picked up a rock that looked cool, like taking it from the graveyard with her back to her dorm. So she'd taken a rock with her to the dorm. That night she went to sleep, she was acting normal. She woke up and was screaming, thrashing, clawing at herself, having an episode, like a psychotic break. Her roommate tried to calm her down. That was unsuccessful. And I believe they said that she started speaking the language that she didn't have any reason to know and like didn't know. <laughs> she started speaking in tongues. She was physically hurting herself. She was destroying stuff in the room. She was having a full on crazy, crazy episode consistent with what I guess, you know, most people think of when they think possession. They called the priest and they got her taken care of. Somehow I never found out who this was, despite it being such a small environment. I believe I, I did know who her roommate was. Like I found out later on that that had been her roommate, but I didn't know at the time. It took me a while to find that out. So never found out what happened to resolve that situation. But the part that I can completely like firsthand attest to is there were lots of police officers, lots of RAs, people were very scared. They cleansed the room, they came and blessed it. They were in the process of doing that as well. I saw that happen as well. Actively had church people in there taking care of the room. Things relatively went back to normal. I don't recall any residential changes because my friend was, you know, he lived there and he was like, I'm going to see like what happens next, see if anyone moves out or moves in or if this person even comes back to school. Like, I mean, nothing really changed after that. So I think that they just kind of went business as usual after that. I spent two summers at Swanee just doing research. I'm, I'm, a, I'm in science now, getting a PhD. And when I was living in one dorm, very, very old, like no AC type of deal, not a great place to live. I had the most vivid dreams that I've ever had in my entire life living in that dorm. To the point where I did talk to priests at that school about these dreams, I felt like I was being communicated with. Some of the dreams, actually two of the worst ones took place in dorms at Sewanee. One of the dorms that we have is kind of like in this separate little pocket of campus that's maybe a 15 minute walk away from Maine. This was kind of a building that had been repurposed from a hospital. It was a hospital for a long time. And the morgue had dorms in it. So there's a big common room where there's still a surgical light hanging from the ceiling that you can turn on and off. And it's old as dirt. It's just like there's like, look at this cool thing that we still have. 
and there's dorms down like in the basement where the morgue was that still has like the sterile like linoleum floor and like weird divisions in the rooms where you would wheel people in and it's very much obvious that it was a hospital <laughs> and i dreamed about that building three or four times and the dreams were consistent because it would always feature children there were always children in the dorms and in the dreams they would be trying to lead me somewhere in the buildings i woke up pitch black i know what building i'm in despite it being pitch black and i see someone standing in the room with me and then as i'm looking i realize there's more and more people in the room with me and it turned out to be a bunch of kids and then one of them would have a light or like some kind of light would appear sometimes be one kid sometimes be several and they would start filing out of the room and i would get up in the dream and i would follow them and they would just lead me around and like show me different parts of the building and then at some point in the dream it would turn scary because they would lead me to a place that i knew bad things had happened in they were trying to like make it very clear that this is somewhere that you don't want to be I was trapped in that part of the building in the dream and I had to figure out how to get out of it. It was super weird. It was like being led through a maze to a dead end. It was always the same kid. It was always a male child that I would have to negotiate with to be able to leave. And I would leave and then I'd wake up. That was a recurring dream that I had for a very long time. Only when I was living in that dorm, because when I moved out of that dorm, I was fine. And this following summer when I lived in a different dorm, I had no more dreams like that. Like, okay, am I just insane? I wasn't even taking drugs. I, I, I didn't do drugs in college, so I can't even blame it on that. I think that I'm kind of sensitive to these things, so I think that I was probably being communicated with, and I do think that a message was trying to be conveyed that that particular building had a lot of really heavy, really dark, traumatic stuff hanging onto it and around it, and I guess it involved children. I didn't really dig into the history enough to, you know, be able to say definitively, like, oh, this is probably what it was. But I do think that something decided that it was going to try to communicate with me and it was successful. I think that something really bad happened there. I think that it's still hanging around. That building definitely had an energy that made me feel uneasy. I really didn't like going there at all, actually. I think I was just picking up on something. So I talked to just two different people who would teach at the school. A lot of the faculty and priests would teach and, you know, a lot of them were historians and people who taught language arts and they took a really interesting approach to it. They also kind of ascribed to the belief that I was being communicated with. Everyone there was very inclined to believe and inclined to be open to, you know, stuff like this. One person actually said that they thought it could be a reflection of like stuff that I was going through that particular summer was really challenging, really stressful, and he kind of suggested that something was communicating with me with the end goal of showing me that I could get out of that dark and scary place. Because if you think about the dream, you know, the idea was getting out of this really dark and scary place and like negotiating my own way out of it, you know, coming out of that by myself and being guided though, in a way, the theme of being guided came up a lot. I didn't love that because I was like, okay, well, why is this fuck ass scary kids are leading me through a dark building that used to be a hospital? Like, <laughs> I don't know about that, but like, basically he just actually, just like, it's like a merging of me working stuff out for myself and being communicated with by something or somebody on the other side that also has something to say, if that makes sense.
If you have your own spooky story you would like to share, you can email us at letsgethauntedpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow along with key images from this episode on Instagram at letsgethaunted. Hey haunties, it's Nat here. I was just out on an October evening trail ride with my horse through the southern tip of the Appalachian mountain range when something spooked him. Anyway, we got all turned around in the shovel and I don't quite know where I am. Seems best we just find a cozy spot to camp for the eve. Oh, how strange. It looks like there's already a campsite here in this nice flat open meadow surrounded by thick impenetrable brush. Hmm. I hope whoever this campsite belongs to doesn't mind if we stay the night here. This'll do. That's better. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I sure am thankful I'm not out here alone on this dark fall evening. We would love to give a very special shout out to our patrons who make this podcast possible. Rebecca S., Megan N., Michael T., Moose Giggles, Sean S., Felicia G., Kelly H., Keese P., Caitlin N., Megan D., Jennifer W., Lee Pooh, Chameleon, Charlie I., Cameron V. H., Mark R., Andy, Lexitronic, Juliet H., Jess C., Gracie G., Kathy L., Sarah R., Kato L., Ruloved, 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 Jackie L., Lana V., Veronica W., Rachel T., Alyssa B., Libby G., Blood Type Long Black, Bree R., Amira C., Dan the Blacksmith, Olivia S., Noah B., Spencer G., Zenobia H., Mumble, Manny of the Mad Mansion, Jeb, Josie J., Liana B. C., Chance the Reaper, Tazwar K., Valkyrie, Hannah M., Honey, Melinda Z., Rachie Face, Natasha M., Sophia M., April May, Jordan L., Savvy, Red E., Emily W., Christian P., Hugo A., Jijo W., Megan M., Taylor E., Efrain P., Ellen Blueberry, Eric G, Samantha H, Abby J, Joaquin E, Smoke and Void, Dome V, Anna K, Nick, Daisy F, Stuffy, Soleil, Yuzu Fruit, Spooky Sush, J M, Taylor B, Emily J B, Kara B, Crystal C, Crystal C, Camille, Daniela R, Jenna M, Roz, Richard O, and D. If you would like to become a patron, visit patreon.com slash let's get haunted or open the show notes and click the link provided. As always, thank you guys for supporting our show. Kelsey's story really reminded me of another creepy tale I heard from someone who also went to Sewanee and was also sensitive to the paranormal. She even grew up in a haunted house. Sheldon, what's haunting you? This is Sheldon calling in from Mobile, Alabama. I was just going to share my story from what happened to me in college at Swanee, the University of the South. So uh, my senior year, I was living in a dorm called Tuckaway upstairs, like it's like the third floor. There's only three bedrooms and there was one bathroom and this like extra kind of closet storage room is across the hall from my room. Tuckaway is one of the most haunted dorms on campus from what we've heard. Unfortunately, two people have taken their own lives in that dorm. Actually, in the same room is what 
at least the rumor has it. Um, and that room is actually located just down a few stairs from my room. So basically one room over. Maybe, I don't know if that's why I was haunted or not. I'd be like asleep and my door would open even though I swear I locked it. And it wasn't the air conditioning or anything like that because we didn't have air conditioning in our dorms at Swanee, fun fact. The door would just randomly open in the middle of the night. I swear I could like feel a presence kind of watching me, like over me. It's just very strange. I'm not sure if it was sinister or not. It was just kind of creepy. The weirdest thing that happened to me, this happened to me at about 6.15 in the morning. One of my good friends, Anne, she's quite the early riser. She called me and was like, we're going to the Waffle House. I was like, okay. I love the Waffle House. I'm not turning that down. So I was heading out of my room and saw the door across the hall just shaking, like violently shaking. That door was like connected to the closet that literally I sometimes stored some stuff in, but also it was never locked or anything. And it was just shaking like crazy, like someone was trapped trying to get out of the room. I was like, this is strange. Is there like a earthquake going on? And then I look at my door and my door isn't doing that. And Sally's door isn't doing that. I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? I tried to open the door. It was locked. I couldn't get in. It was just so strange. And then it just kind of stopped, of course. And I was like, uh, oh, whatever, I'm hungry, I'm going to the Waffle House. I went back up there after breakfast, and keep in mind, this was probably like 7.30 at this time, and literally, like, the door was completely unlocked, and looked like none of the stuff had been moved. <laughs> it was so creepy. I Googled and everything and, like, asked around. I was like, there was an earthquake this morning, right? And everyone's like, no, what are you talking about? It's just strange. Things would get moved often in my dorm room. It was, like, pill bottles and things like that. I'd be looking for my medication and couldn't find it. It would show up like an hour later. It's just really, really strange stuff. I was kind of happy to get out of there. I don't mind a little bit of creepiness, but the feeling of being watched is just where I kind of draw the line. Anyway, so that's my story with Swanee. When I was a little kid growing up in Mobile, Alabama, I was pretty young. It was just a lot of really weird stuff happened. Like this lady appeared next to my bed quite often. She was wearing red overalls, had like dark curly hair, big brown like doe eyes wearing like a tan colored shirt underneath the overalls and she would just watch me at nighttime and I would tell my mom that she came out of the wall. But one time she said some sort of saying, it was like Mimi's in bone bone or something like that. It was very strange, didn't make any sense. The priest was trying to tell me that it meant me a friend in like Latin or another language. That wasn't the only thing that happened in this house. A lot of weird stuff happened. Even my parents like would actually hear the lady talking to me on the baby monitor. She was singing to my brother one night, and she was saying, hush, little baby, don't say a word. Shh, I'm not going to hurt you. That was the night where they were like, okay, we believe our daughter. This is crazy. They literally grabbed, like, the mop and the broom, like, we don't keep guns in the house, and went into my brother's room. No one was there. They, like, checked all of our rooms, and um, no one was in any of our rooms. This street only has about five houses on it, and it does have, like, a small duplex complex behind it with like six different units and my parents you know keep in mind this is the 90s went door to door the next day like asking if anyone was watching a baby last night like were they talking to a baby on the baby monitor or something and all of them were like no one time my grandmother was babysitting us at the house and she was helping my mom with some laundry and she walked into the back bedroom the master bedroom and it literally like had flies all over the windows like dark flies and my parents are super Catholic. In the Bible, it'll say, like, flies mean evil is coming or evil's happening. And so that was really weird. And we're really not that messy of people. You know, there shouldn't have been a ton of flies in the bedroom. And we actually had the priest come back to the house. He had already blessed it one time when we moved into the house, but he had come back and bless it again. There was just too many weird things happening. I was super sick as a child with asthma, um, was in and out of the hospital all the time. And my mom one time was found like completely like passed out in the middle of the daytime downstairs due to like a 
violent asthma attack that she hadn't had asthma in like 30 years. I mean, they were like literally doing research to see if like there were like people buried on the property. And like, the, like I said, the priest was involved. We were trying to like figure it all out. So eventually my parents were like, this is enough. We can't live here. And they sold the house maybe a year and a half later. And it was a great house, like if it wasn't haunted. But yeah, I even had like an imaginary friend that would come talk to me all the time. One time I was going to the bathroom and this like dark figure, like monster looking thing showed up in my window with bright red piercing eyes and was looking at me like, ah, like moving his arms. And oh, it was so creepy. Didn't like that one bit. Another time my mom came into my room and she was like, what are you doing, Sheldon? And I was like rearranging the furniture. And she's like, why? You know, and I'm like four years old, keep in mind. I told her that the lady wanted it this way. This is how the lady needed the furniture. My mom's like, okay, that's just too much. So as I said, they put the house in the market and sold it. We moved, I didn't have any issues in our new house that we moved into, but the people who bought our house, unfortunately the lady ended up committing suicide um, not too long after purchasing the house. Um, she did not do it in the house, but she did jump off a bridge in town, but there was like a note and everything left in the house. And I just can't help but think like, Maybe she was driven mad by the ghost in the house. My aunt lives a few houses down and she's kind of empathic. She can kind of sense paranormal activity. She said that house that we were living in has like a very high turnover of owners. And that's all I know about that one. Thank you so much for your time. Sheldon, that was terrifying. Well done. Wait, someone else is here. You guys are not going to believe me, but Bigfoot is literally here right now. Oh my god, he's so fucking beautiful and majestic. His auburn hair is blowing in the wind like a dazzling display of fall foliage dancing in the breeze. Damn it, my horse scared Bigfoot away. Farewell, Sir Bigfoot. We'll always have abandoned campsite in the southern tip of the Appalachian mountain range. Happy October, Haunties. Hey, Haunties. It's Allie here. Do you ever listen to our show and find yourself completely overwhelmed with terror by the end of each episode? This episode is sponsored by Vinterra Farms CBD products. No longer will you care whether you live or die after ingesting some of their excellent tinctures, gummies, and or vape pens. Make all your friends and family say, I didn't know you were chill like that, as you listen to horrifying tales of crypts and cryptids unfazed. Does a goat man have you cornered on an abandoned train track? Is a toilet ghost knocking on your bathroom stall door? Whatever your unique situation is, Vinterra Farms has the right CBD product for you. Dehaunt yourself immediately, not with sage, but with its cooler cousin, cannabis. For 15% off your entire purchase plus free shipping, head to VenterraFarmsCBD.com and type in promo code HAUNTED15 at checkout. That's V like Vostok, E, N like Necromancy, T like Time Travel, E-R-R-A, FarmsCBD.com, promo code HAUNTED15. Or just check out the show notes and click the link. Thank you for supporting California farmers and farm workers. 
$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. 